The following program is sponsored by Friends of Life Outreach International. <laughs> I cannot believe I'm sitting here. My life is awesome. <laughs> Next on Life Today, find out why Clayton King is so excited he can't sit still as he explains how we can all overcome and start replacing the lies that hold us down with the truths that set us free. And so many times we believe the fake news that the enemy tells us about ourselves, mm -hmm. or we believe the fake news that we tell ourselves. James Robinson Bennett, I welcome you to life today. Clayton King is here. I mean, he's pumped. He, he's got a book called uh, Overcome. We showed you some of the clips, how he kind of got fired up here. He's, he's not shy. And uh, now he's about to pass out over here. Got the uh, replacing the lies that hold us down with the truths that set us free. Let, let me say that one more time. Replacing the lies that hold us down with the truths that set us free. Uh, he has a, a wonderful ministry's own. He's with the New Spring Church in South Carolina. They have a number of campuses. Would you welcome Clayton King to life today? <laughs> I'm so fired up. Man. Okay, okay. You, you know, you came in here, you know, you, 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 you just started out bragging about the South Carolina football team. Now, who might that be? The Clemson Tigers, national champions. We yeah, beat Alabama. Beat they, who's Alabama? Alabama is this team that sort of dominates college football, <laughs> and uh, they just need to share some national championships with the rest of us. And, uh, man, we uh, I live about 20 miles from the campus. Uh, Coach Davos so Sweeney. So were you praying for Clemson at that game? Yes, I was praying for them. I was praying for God's will to be done. Yeah, <laughs> So and, uh, has, has the coach from Alabama contacted you about being a part of the team prayer meeting? No, the coach from Alabama has not contacted me, but the coach of the Clemson Tigers is a member of our church and is there on Sundays at New Spring. <laughs> and Dabo Swinney loves Jesus, and I love Jesus, and I love Dabo Swinney, and I love college football, and I love Clemson, and I love you, and I cannot believe I'm sitting here on your show right now. This is the greatest day. Why, why are you so excited about being here? Because I can tell you you're not putting on. You no, passed out when I walked in the room back there. This, this is as real as it gets. So I I am, I am so excited to be here. Um, I gave my life to Jesus in 1987. I was 14 years old. I'm on my knees at the altar, praying the sinner's prayer to receive Christ. And while I'm giving my life to Jesus, I heard a voice tell me to preach the gospel. And so almost immediately, God began to open up doors for me. So in our home every afternoon, uh, after dinner was over, my dad would turn on the TV and you would be preaching at 5.30 uh, or 6 o'clock on Channel 16 in Greenville, South Carolina. And so I'm this young evangelist, 14 years old. I preached my first sermon when I was 14 years old, 30 years ago this year. <laughs> and I would watch you preach. And I would sit there glued to the television. They would show Billy Graham crusades, and they would show James Robinson crusades. And I would watch Billy Graham, and I would watch you. And I would just imagine what it would be like. And I would pray, God, if you would just let me see a fraction of what those men have seen. So for me now, 30 years later, to be sitting here with the two of you, I can barely, I can't even hardly breathe. I like literally, my heart rate is 180 right now. I feel like I've run a marathon. This is such a great honor for me. I, well, you I, know. You talked to our son and to Sheila here a while back, and he told me, he said, Dad, I've met few people 
who seem to have the appreciation for the impact or imprint you made on their life. And I can I can tell you mean that. Now, let, let's 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 move on to why you wrote this book. Right. Uh, because I love the subheading, and you've got quite a few points that you you touch on. You talked about the lies that hold us down, and and you gave us kind of a a, a list of, of four of them that you felt like you'd have time to touch on. So I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna read all four of them. That way, if we we don't get to all of them, then somebody will know where we just got stopped. But you've got how many do you have in the book? About 10 yeah, or 12? I, I identify the 10 most common lies that Christians believe. Every one of us believes lies all the time. It's kind of like an old Bugs Bunny cartoon. Uh, used to see, at least when I was a kid, there would be this cartoon character and there would be the devil on one shoulder whispering bad things <laughs> in the cartoon character's ear and angel in the other one. And that's really kind of how it is but in it spiritual is how life for yeah, a Christian. You've got the flesh and the devil. It's always trying to get you to walk away from Jesus or do things in the power of sin. And then you've got the Spirit of God who lives in us that's always convicting us of sin and telling us that God wants more. And I had to, in my own life, I had to identify the most common lies I was believing. Even as a child of God, a spirit-filled, born-again preacher of the gospel, I am still this insecure little boy that listens to lies. And if we don't identify the lie, we can't fight the lie. And so I take the 10 most common lies that we believe, I name them, I show the reader where those lies come from, and then I uh, replace that lie with the truth from Scripture. All right, let me tell you the four that are here. And by the way, let me just say this. You know, the media, even the, the media that doesn't claim to believe in God, will often say of somebody in a battle, could be a battle with some kind of addiction or alcohol or some other problem. They say, well, they were dealing with their own demons. Mm -hmm. Right. And, and they say that like, maybe they believe it, but even psychologists will make fun of that. Mm -hmm. But the fact is, they are dealing with demons. And the, what the media need to realize is that the people who are being influenced by the father of lies oftentimes are the media. Right. And so lies are prevailing in the land, even in the print and in all the media. They don't realize they too have demons that are right. tormenting them. And these sophisticated, fuzzy-faced uh, uh, professors that act like they're high and mighty, they're being tormented. They can be the most sophisticated Mm. deceived person on the planet, but the enemy is feeding lies to the pastors, the preachers, to everybody yep. to get them off track, but God will flow truth freely if we will receive it. That's right. I call it fake news, and I didn't come up with that phrase. Everybody talks about fake news now. Mm -hmm. we, we watch it's really it outright lying. Yeah, fake <laughs> news is just a lie, and mm -hmm. so many times we believe the fake news that the enemy tells us about ourselves, mm -hmm. or we believe the fake news that we tell ourselves. It's negative self-talk. It's believing the lies. When Jesus came to give us abundant life, he wants to set us free. But in John chapter 8, and this is the whole premise of the entire book, Overcome, the way we overcome the lies of the enemy is what Jesus said in John chapter 8. You will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. That's how we get free. And I think it's very important that people understand that the definition of truth is Jesus, Amen. the demonstration of truth is Jesus, the enabler to accept and live the truth is Jesus. Right. He sent another just like him to live in us. Amen. And Holy by the Spirit. way, in all of your zeal and enthusiasm, I see Jesus. I saw Jesus when I walked in the room, and you were being really excited about me, but I saw somebody love Jesus. And I realized that if you saw something that was attractive or magnetic in me, it had to be Jesus. Yeah, and I know right. that's what you were attracted to. And let's take these, these four uh, that you, you've pointed out here. Number one, people believe this lie. God is mad at me. Number two, sex is no big deal. No, no wait a minute. Sex is no big deal. I'm, I'm not sure you caught that. It's a lie. Right. Sex is a big deal. It is a big deal. High right. five men, all of you here in the place. High five. High five ladies, high five Betty. Yes, sex is a big deal. Here you go. All right, now, 
Very many of those have hats. They have hats. Heck's a big deal. Okay, we'll sure you got that. All right, now then, and then money will solve all my problems. Yep, big lie. That's all right. And then I can never change. Right. Big lie. Yep. Okay, start with the one God's mad at me. So if you believe that God is mad at you, that's going to affect the way that you treat other people. It's going to affect the way that you treat yourself. The most important thing about a person is what enters their mind when they hear the word God. A.W. Tozer said that. So if I know that God loves me, then it frees me up to love you. It frees me up to love my neighbor. It frees me up to love the person I disagree with politically. It frees me up to love a person from a different worldview. But if I don't believe that God loves me, and I believe that God is mad at me, that God is trying to get even with me, that God is trying to get back at me, then I'll spend my whole life in a defensive posture. I'll spend my whole life avoiding God. I'll spend my whole life running from God. I'll spend my whole life stiff-arming God. And in our culture now, we're seeing a generation of people who have an incorrect view of God. They think God is mad at them for sins they've committed or mistakes they've made. They think that God is mad at them for who they are or their own identity. And if they think that God is mad at them, then they will show hostility, not just towards God, but oftentimes towards religion or faith or Christianity. They'll also show hostility toward other people because if there is a God and he is mad at you, then you've got to try to figure out a way to appease that God. But the Bible says there's only one way that God's wrath has been appeased, and that is the blood of Jesus that was shed on the cross. God's not mad at us. God loves us. His wrath was poured out. His judgment on sin was poured out on Jesus on the cross, and then he raised Jesus up from the dead. The crucifixion took the punishment of our sin away. The resurrection gave us a brand new life. And so when we hear the lie, God is mad at me, God is angry at me, God wants to get even with me, the truth has to replace that lie. That's how we overcome. God loves me. God unconditionally accepts me. And God will receive me when I repent of my sins and trust Christ. And so a lot of times people think God is mad at them because of the way that their um, father treated them. That's another thing I delve into in the book Overcome is that our view of God is often a reflection of our view of our earthly father. Now this is important for me because I'm adopted. And so when I was a young boy, uh, two weeks old, I was adopted by a wonderful Christian mom and dad. And my earthly father loved me and he cared for me and he was very um, encouraging. When I went into ministry, he was my biggest fan. He was my Sunday school teacher. So for me, it's been easier to see God as a loving father because I had a loving earthly father. What I do in the book Overcome is I explain how if you did not have a great earthly father, that doesn't mean that you have a terrible heavenly father. Your heavenly father could actually be the dad you never had. Oh, that's great, and that yeah. was my case. All right, the next one is, uh, it's a very difficult one to, uh, for us to deal with. It's, uh, sex is no big deal. Yeah. And, and you're saying that that's a lie. That's a lie. <clears throat> so am I to assume that sex is supposed to be a big sex deal? Sex is a big deal. It's such a big deal that we have laws in our country that criminalize sexual misconduct. If sex was no big deal, if it was just a flippant uh, thing that you experience, if it's just something you uh, experiment with, then, then we wouldn't have laws that criminalize people for sexual abuse. We wouldn't have laws that put people in prison for rape. Sex is a big deal because it affects body and soul and spirit. And so in the book, Overcome, I, I write from a biblical perspective on how if you have misunderstood sex or if you have made mistakes that you wish you could go back and change, here's what Satan does. Satan will give you permission 
and will tempt you to sin sexually. He'll tell you it's okay. He'll lie to you and tell you sex is no big deal. Go do whatever you want to. Then the minute you sin, the minute you mess up, the minute you make a mistake, the same devil that lied to you and told you it was okay will now heap condemnation on you and shame on you for the sin he just gave you permission to do. That's why the Bible says he's a destroyer and a liar and a thief. The Bible tells us that sex is a big deal, that the body is the temple of the Holy Spirit, God lives in us, and that every sin we commit is outside the body except for sexual sin, which is a sin that affects our own body. And that chapter in the book is the one with the most research. I literally read four books just on what sex does to the human brain and the human body. For instance, uh, and this is not too nerdy, but there are chemicals in the human body that cause a man and a woman to be emotionally cemented together when they have sexual intimacy. There's a chemical called vasopressin, and that's the one that women have, and oxytocin, which is the one that men have. These chemicals literally change brain chemistry when people hold hands, when people kiss, and if intercourse takes place and there's real true sexual intimacy, the, they've proven this in every scientific study that the most healthy way to experience sexual intimacy is in a committed monogamous relationship of marriage. One man, one woman for life. The Bible's been teaching that for 2,000 years. Science is just now starting to catch up with what the Bible's been saying for all those years. So nobody should feel guilty if they find that the sex appears to be attractive. No, should, it's supposed to be. Should a man feel bad if he thinks a woman is attractive and God did good work? No, God placed that all the way back in the Garden of Eden uh, when, when Adam and Eve were created in the image of God. God put this in eight attraction for the man to the woman and the woman to the man. Uh, it's for procreation and it's for recreation. Sex is for the uh, human race to continue. It's for procreation. Sex is also for the fun and the enjoyment of one another. It's for recreation. It's also for communication. A man and a wife have to learn how to communicate verbally and emotionally if there's gonna be any sexual intimacy. So it's not a sin to be attracted to the opposite sex. It's not a sin to want to have sex. It, it really goes off the rails when we listen to the lies of our culture and the lies of the enemy that tells us, go ahead and experiment and do whatever you feel in the moment. It's no big deal because it is a big deal. Depression goes up. Poverty goes up. I put these statistics in the book for, uh, for people that begin, begin to have sex at an early age before they're married. Uh, their divorce rates are two, three, and sometimes four times the amount uh, of people that wait until they're married and only have sex with one partner. But the, also the good news about sexuality is if you have made the mistakes, and we all have, there is grace and there is forgiveness. And we find that in the gospel of Jesus Christ. So God does not hold our sin against us. He offers us a better way forward. He offers us repentance and forgiveness. And it's never too late to start over. Now, uh, money will solve all your problems. That's, yeah. a, that's an extra. Oh, that's a lie. That's a <laughs> lie. More money will not solve all your problems. Um, more money will actually create more problems most of the time. Money is not an evil thing. Money is a means of exchange. And so many people uh, misquote that Bible verse. They say, money is the root of all evil. No, no, no. The, love, the of love of money is the root of all evil. And so many of us, especially in America, make money an idol. We work for it. We save it. We use it to buy things to make us happy. But in reality, the fruit is oftentimes um, the problem we think money would solve. But the root is that we've put money in a place that only God should occupy. And so an extra $10,000 a year for your salary increase would not solve the problem of not knowing how to create a budget, not tithing to your local church, not blessing missions organizations, 
Our real problem when it comes to money is not that we need more of it. Our real problem is most of us are selfish and greedy. And, and we need to live our lives with open hands saying, God, you don't just demand 10%. You own 100%. I oversee it's it. All oversee yours. It. Right. I'm just a steward of what mm -hmm. you put in my hands. My hands are open and my yes is on the table. You can have anything that belongs to me, God, because it's all yours ultimately. And we've seen a lot of very successful people, you know, in our world, and yet some of them, some of them commit suicide. Some of them are just not happy at all. They go through divorces. They go through all kinds of problems. So they've got all the financial help they need. Yeah. But it hasn't made them happy. I tell a story in that chapter in Overcome about money, the lies that we believe about money. In the mid-90s, I met Dennis Rodman. Mm -hmm. Dennis Rodman, one of the greatest defensive basketball players no to ever doubt. play, no won doubt. multiple championships with Michael Jordan. I met him in Las Vegas in a casino. We were there to watch a boxing match, not gambling. Saw him. He had multiple prostitutes, a Rolex watch, diamond rings, was gambling at the blackjack tables with thousands and thousands of dollars and I was young and stupid and I walked right up to Dennis Rodman at the blackjack table and I said, Dennis Rodman, my name is Clayton King. I want to ask you a question. Are you happy? And I tell the whole story in the book. He said, no, I'm not happy. He said, why do you think I do all this? I haven't been happy since I was a teenager. And I shared the gospel with Dennis Rodman standing there at a blackjack Amen. table. He did not give his life to Jesus, but I still pray for him every Absolutely. day. Because Dennis you. Rodman had believed the lie that money would solve all of his problems, and it didn't. And it didn't. And the last one that you said you were going to touch on is the enemy says you can't change. And we got about a minute. Can you sum that up in about a minute? Oh, yeah. The devil will always lie to you and tell you the way you are right now is as good as it's ever going to get. You'll never get any better. You'll never get out of debt. You'll never have a happy marriage. Your kids will never be successful. You'll, you'll never be a, a whole person. But the gospel of Jesus Christ says you are so important to God that he sent his son to die on the cross for you. You are made in the image of God. You are not junk. You are not damaged goods. And we can change. But the only way we can change is the gospel. 2 Corinthians 5, 17 says, if anyone is in Christ, they're a new creation. Old things go away and all things are made new. So the lie says you can't change, but the gospel says you can, and Jesus will give you the power to change. Amen. Boy, I really appreciate you, Clayton. Thank you. Thank you. This man is a, is, a, is a gifted man, and he's a gift from God to us today. This is phenomenal. And the way he expresses, God's giving him that gift in writing. And I really pray you'll get the book because uh, we can replace the lies that hold us down with the truth that sets us free, overcoming. And Clayton, I really, really appreciate you very, very much. You know, the people who watch our program, uh, they're really, I think, some of the most unusual people on the planet. Mm. They like to hear people who are full of the Lord. They like to meet interesting people. They seem to appreciate Betty and me as a couple. And they seem to appreciate the fact that we want to present God's best to them. But we also want to encourage every one of them as viewers to share God's best, which is the love of God flowing through them like a river. And our viewers know that when you watch us, we're going to ask you to be an answer to someone's prayer. We all want our prayers answered. But how often do we say, God, let me be an answer to prayer? And you know what he says in Isaiah 58? When you become that answer to prayer, he's very specific about it. When you meet needs, you feed the hungry, you cover the people that are desperate, you reach out and you help people. He says, I'll answer quickly. So we really do find that God is moved by the fact that we're moved by others and we allow his love, God's love, to flow freely through us. I want you to look right now at what our viewers tell us, that there's nothing they see 
that excites them and thrills them anymore than knowing that they can be the miracle of a lifetime and change everything for someone. And it is not wishful thinking. It's an absolute undeniable miracle. And you can be a part of it. As a matter of fact, the miracle will not even occur unless you're a part of it. Watch. These worn paths provide routes for people and animals alike so they can make their way to water sources. The problem with that is in most villages, families have to share the very same water source with the animals. Animals drinking and uh, sad as feces. These ladies are here washing. And you can see by looking at the water that, uh, you know, it's, it's, you wouldn't want to wash your clothes in it. But uh, they do. But the problem is people drink this. And it's absolutely 100% contaminated. And it is killing people here in Africa. It is hard to imagine the impact these polluted water sources have on a person until you take a look at the facts. The lack of safe water is one of the world's largest causes of illnesses. And even more tragic is the fact that these waterborne illnesses are one of the leading causes of death for children under the age of five. You know, Jesus says in the book of John, he who believes in me, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. When you help us bring clean water to these villages, you're really making a difference and bringing life to people who desperately need a sense of hope. Thank you so much for giving. Thank you for working together to bring the love of God to these people, just one cup of water at a time. Wow, and you know what? That is exactly what happens. It, it's a cup of water at a time, but when you give them a well, think about this. Jesus said, if you just give a cup of water in my name, you won't lose your reward. And now don't start jumping around what is that reward. Leave that in God's hands. He knows what it looks like. He knows what's best. Sometimes we don't. But he says, if you just give a cup of water in my name, in other words, you, you see a need and you meet it. Betty, what would happen if we give a well of water? And you and I have been doing that now for years. Mm -hmm. We ask God to let us, every time the missionaries bring the opportunity, God, please let us be able to give a well. Some of you have joined in that prayer. And you've told us God miraculously has enabled us to do it. And, and we have some who will give several wells during the course of the year. I, I don't know what you can do, but I know one thing. Nothing you do is small. It's huge. And if you gave just one family water, then what a miracle. But think about the reality of this. The wells cost $4,800. If you can give one, Betty and I are asking God to move on you and lead you to do it and enable you to do it. So if you can give a well, 4,800, please do it. If you can give more than one, do it. But, but here's the thing I want you to understand. I think it's very important that you get this. Most of the resources that come in to drill the wells come from gifts of $48 or $144. I use those examples. A, a $48 gift gives 10 people, basically, when you break it out, water the rest of their life. So you're giving many cups of water for those 10 people the rest of their life. 144, and you've given 30 people water the rest of their life, cups of water every day. Can you do that? I pray you will. And let me tell you another miracle. There are many areas we can't get drilling rigs in because of the terrain. We just simply can't get up into that rugged area. But God answered a prayer, 
and gave us a filter system that works like dialysis. And you can give three families their own filter system to filter any kind of water. And it's an absolute fact. It'll purify it, get all the germs and all the deadly stuff out of it and give them clean, fresh, clean drinking water that we can give three families that for $100. So would you do that? There's a level at which you can help. And if you can drill the well, do the 48, if you can give 1,200 and play, pray three, join you, we've got it, or 2,400 and pray another person joins you, you've got a prayer answered and you become a miracle answer to prayer. We've got another well. So whatever you can do, I want you right now to go online, Life Today, or dial the number. People are calling in right now praying to receive the water of life, to have somebody agree with them in prayer. And, and that call is, is paid for by love. So you call or go online, take your bank card, please use it the way you should always use it, like a check, and make the gift God put on your heart. Would you please do that? Father, I pray every person watching will move right now to get their card, to make the call or go online and make the gift you put on their heart. In Jesus' name, thank you. Please do it. And thank you so much for giving life. Every day, children living in extreme poverty are forced to make a dreadful choice. Drink polluted water filled with deadly disease or perhaps die of thirst. No child should ever be faced with this decision. The good news is there is a solution. Mission Water for Life is one of the most proven and viable demonstrations of God's love in the world today. Suffering can end because clean water changes everything. With your gift today, you can help drill 400 water wells in remote villages in 15 nations. A gift of $48 will provide disease-free water for 10 people, $72 will provide for 15 people, and $144 will help provide clean water straight from the ground for 30 people. Please also consider an additional gift of $100 to help provide three families with water filtration kits in emergency areas where our drilling rigs are unable to reach. As our thank you, we'll send you the books Words of Jesus and Words of Healing. One contains only the words of Jesus and the other scriptures for healing in your body, mind, and soul. With your $100 gift, you can receive both hardbound and softbound editions of these scripture promise books. Finally, please consider a gift of $1,200 to help provide water for 250 people or a gift of $4,800 to help sponsor a complete well. And you may request our beautiful hand-sculpted Determined Eagle Bronze. Please call, write, or make your gift online. Well, Betty and I rejoice mm -hmm. that we're going to be able to tell missionaries helps on the way and all those precious people. We've got some books and some gifts for you. If you would like to have Clayton King's book, Overcome, we'd be glad to send it to you to say thanks. If you give a cup of water, would you say thanks to Clayton King for being with us? Thanks, Clayton. For the greatest hours of my life. I mean that. I know you mean it. So lovely. Thank all of you. Thanks for watching. Thanks for sharing life.
Kate and Britt Merrick's eight-year-old daughter died after a three-and-a-half-year battle with cancer, dealing with pain, bitterness, and grief. Next week. Life Today is made possible by the supporters of Life Outreach International. Your gift will be used exclusively for the exempt purposes of life. The ministry features specific outreaches as examples of the programs it supports and conducts. Gifts are considered to be without restriction as to use unless explicitly stipulated by the donor. The ministry is a member of the ECFA.